Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi, and we are sadly one week into the NASCAR offseason. And you know, I just I don't know. I already missed doing this podcast and missed covering races with you, Jordan. But we're we're just going to try to get by here. At least we had an F1 race to, to watch today. How, how are you surviving week one of the offseason? I'm okay. It's been uh, it's been a really long week for a lot of reasons. Uh, it's been a long year for a lot of reasons. So it was. Um, uh, I miss it. I miss seeing you. I miss the. I miss doing the podcast with you in person. I am wondering though, since now we're in the off season, can we drink while we do the podcast? Since we're not really, you know, we don't have to worry about writing or anything. Is that like is that part of it? I mean, I didn't come prepared for this. Have you already started or something? I didn't. I, I actually did not. I did cross oh, okay. my mind today. So I'm like, it is a Sunday fun day, right? Uh, and I was like, oh, maybe you know, I could probably pour a cocktail or you know, have one or two, be responsible. But I'm like, no, no, I, I didn't know what the ground rules were for this. So maybe next week we'll uh, we'll do that. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, uh, I can't remember. I, I might have drank after the Bristol Dirt podcast this year or during that podcast. You had a beer after one race this year. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I was what, one of the many times I got frustrated. Uh, yeah, well, the after season. the Roval race, you were, you were doing, you, I don't know if you were drinking or you were popping pills or what. <laughs> <laughs> I could have used that probably, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that actually makes sense for what we're going to talk about here because we're here to talk about the best five races of the year um, in no particular order. I'm going to give mine. Jordan's going to give his, and we're going to go through the top 10 on the, was it a good race poll? And then we're going to give our worst race of the year uh, pick as well for the NASCAR cup series. And then later in the podcast, we just finished watching the formula one race from Brazil, a spicy Ooh. race. Lots of talk too, about by the way. there. We'll, we'll talk about all that later. No, no, who do, I'm sorry, Jeff. Who just spawned really quick? George Russell beat Lewis Hamilton. Congrats to you. The guy with the fork in his back, somehow able to finish second yeah. against all odds for you. If you take you. that fork out, maybe he would have been faster. Oh, okay. I'm sure that was what was holding Lewis back there. Not his track position for equal cars and the same tires. I'm sure that was... He's better you know. He's supposed to be a better driver, that's all. Anyway, but hey, we'll get uh, George you know, did a phenomenal job. But we'll get to that. We'll get to the Max Verstappen not being a good teammate at all part. Oh. But first, we're going to talk about the NASCAR season that just ended and we have a week now to, to sort of have everything, you know, sink in and digest. Um, clearly that Phoenix race is not going to be one of the top ones because, uh, that was voted, uh, not very highly by the fans, uh, down in the 20% bracket, I believe. Uh, so that was not, uh, not looked favorably upon, but, uh, I guess should we, you want to start with your, fifth best and then we can kind of trade back and forth and see if we overlapped on any uh yeah. what was your what was your number five best nascar cup series race of 2022 
number five for me was Paul Martinsville. And maybe it sounds weird because. Whoa, of whoa, whoa. Are you serious? Fall <laughs> Martinsville? I am serious because wow. it, it is, I, we build that race as like anything can go, right? It, you know, it's, you, you got to go there and you win and you get to Phoenix and it's crazy. And yeah, I, I know the first 400 and I don't know, 50 laps or whatever that race were what they were. But honestly, I don't think anyone's ever going to remember that. They're only going to remember the last 50 laps, and probably they're only going to remember the last lap with that Ross Chastain move. And that specifically is why I picked it, is because it is going to be one of those moments that you look back on. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And for that move to kind of you know, skyrocket Ross into the stratosphere for a week of you know, and at every news station, yeah, I, I mean, that was, that was a big deal. And that race was what we bill it as of like anything goes it's a wild wild west and yeah and again it, it came through and the first 450 laps of that race were maybe not the best but you know what that race at martinsville often isn't the best for those 450 laps it's often pretty pretty calm right and those final 50 laps certainly delivered so that's why it made number five okay yeah i mean i could definitely see an argument for number one moment of the season i mean i don't see Honestly, anything else that could really is going to really end up topping uh, yeah. that. But, uh, you know, as far as the race overall itself, um, you know, that, yeah, that I wouldn't, didn't even really consider picking it for my top five, honestly. I mean, I, I respect why you're picking it. Um, and it certainly, again, like if, if you go back 10 years from now and say, Hey, tell me about the races in, uh, in 2022 and what happened. I mean, that's probably going to be the first thing that comes to mind almost, but, um, and yeah, I throw Christopher Bell in there too. Like, I mean, we need to talk like that. Yeah, yeah. Know, him, no, like him mean, coming up there, walk and off, yeah, and passing and walk off, and making moves. Like, that's good stuff. That's what you want to see. And I and I know we did get the short track package, short track style racing, but that's it's hard to be, it's hard to quibble with what we saw those last few laps. Yeah, no, I, I I mean honestly, if you go back to that, I mean, remember I was saying that that race was going to be in the '90s on the pole um, because I was really it wasn't just the last lap for me. Um, like as soon as, uh, Hamlin lost control of the race, I mm -hmm. think. And, and, and it was like, oh, you're going to have a new winner up here. Is, is it going to be like a, a Briscoe? Um, you know, what, what's going to, what's going to happen here? Is it going to be bell, um, Blaney, you know, yep. could he get up there, you know? And, you know, that, then it was really like, Ooh, this is really intriguing. So I think it was more than just even the last 50 laps, but, um, it's still, you know, as a race overall, um, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't make the top 10 for the fans either. Um, so interesting, though. Interesting. So I'll give you my number five here, and I'll be curious to see if it was on your list. Obviously, we didn't tell each other beforehand what our top five were. I picked uh, Watkins Glen uh, as my fifth best race of the year. Uh, now, that race, of course, started in the wet. Remember, there was delayed yep. a bit by a big storm, um, and then they were going to try to get going, basically, and then they said, you know what, we need to get more water off the track, um, which they did. So it started in the wet. It, it quickly, you know, dried out and, but it was some really good racing overall. Like there was, uh, you know, a lot of moments happening, um, sort of some different guys, you know, it, it was, it seemed like it was going to come down to, um, Larson and Elliott, which it did at the end. And then, you know, you had the Kimi Raikkonen factor. That was really intriguing to watch him. Um, uh, you know, it looked like he was honestly going to have a top 10 until he got wrecked. The strategy was, he was on. Um, and then of course there's the late restart where Larson just kind of dive bombs it in there and knocks Elliot out of the way. Elliot, not happy at all. Um, and you know, that, that was really a key, um, 
key moment just in, in the season in their relationship and uh, how that looked going forward. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought that was just a, a compelling race. And the road course races didn't weren't so great this year, just like the short tracks. But for me, that, that was a, a pretty good one. And the fans thought even higher of it than I did. They voted it number two. Uh, for the second best race of the season with a 92.7%. So that wasn't on your top five? It wasn't. I gave it consideration. To your point, I really liked that first stage because you had so many different strategies, right, at play. You had guys who were trying to, they were going to uh, two stop that first strategy and then run down, use track position and, you know, use fresher tires and dry tires to, to get back up front. And you had guys who were like, no, we're going to milk the, the the wet tires as long as we can. It was really great to see. It's fun. It was exciting. It was different. It's not something we typically see in a, a NASCAR race. I, I thought it was a really good race, and especially in a year where the road courses didn't really deliver to the level we expected it to, that was the exception. And it helps that you had weather. It helps that you had a late restart, and you had you know, Kyle Larson doing his best Max Verstappen impersonation, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Um, and that added a dynamic to it. And I never chase afterwards was not, you know, pleased at all. And it was like, oh man, is this going to be like a lingering thing? And it, you know, kind of fairly quickly kind of died down, but it was, it was something that was interesting. And what the dynamic that was, it was, it was good. And Watkins Glen is one of those races that it seems just seems like year in and year out it is always good. It's one of those things you circle on the calendar and say, this is going to be NASCAR. This is going to be the best. This is the best example of what NASCAR can be at its best. Yeah, and I yeah, it's it's it seems to be the best suited track for stock cars, whether that was the old car or the next gen car. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, stock cars just seem to to fit that track quite well. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, it produced another good race. What was your number four race of twenty twenty two? My number four race of twenty twenty two was the Daytona five hundred. Um, I, I thought that was really good. I mean, you had. Obviously, a surprise winner in Austin Cindric, a rookie winning that race. Um, but you had drama. You had a lot of different guys in the mix. You had the RFK cars and Brad Keselowski looking like he was just going to bulldoze everybody maybe at one point to, to win that race and try to win in his debut for his new team. Um, you had Bubba Wallace coming up just short. And to me, that was the one moment that really kind of jumped out to me. Was I remember being on pit road afterwards and watching Bubba as he's watching Austin Cindric celebrate. And like, he kind of goes for like this gets out of the race car, just has like a moment to himself and you can just see him like kind of processing and this, and they walks around the car onto the grass and like all of the celebrations going on and he is watching it. And you could just tell like this hurt, like he came so close. And I thought we, we talked about the podcast. I thought I had a similar feeling watching that race as I did to Talladega the year before where I like, I think I said to you, I'm like, I think he's going to win this. And, and he did. He almost did. And it was, it was really good. And the racing was good. And it was the first race, first points race of the new year. And it was just, it had the drama that everything you want out of Daytona uh, to start the year. And I felt that race really kind of set the tone. Yeah. So, uh, I actually agree with you, Jordan. I put this as my number four race. Hey, as well. How about that? Yeah, how about that? Um, and remember too, I mean, there was a lot of concerns and questions going into this race about the next gen car, not just even like, how it would hold up and how it would race, you know, yeah. would it last for 500 miles on a super speedway and stuff, but the safety part of it, I mean, um, all that we had really seen to that point was the clash, which is obviously a pretty slow track. Um, and we hadn't seen, you know, too many huge hits or anything. And so, you know, there was that morning that was sort of like, Oh boy, 
I really yeah. hope everybody gets to this race. I really hope, you know, any hard hits that we're going to see, um, I just hope it's going to be okay. Cause we just didn't know at all. Um, and, and obviously you had the tires things too, you kind of in the back of your mind too. There were some questions about the tires and, and whether they were going to stay on, you know, that kind of thing. And it was, it was a lot of, a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was that sort of nervousness throughout. Uh, and then, you, you know, we did see some big hits and, and it, it all turned out fine. Um, you know, it turned out as we found out later this season, it, it was sort of the smaller hits from the rear that are the bigger problem and then the big impacts, the large impacts, essentially, it seems like, but, um, yeah, I mean, Daytona 500, obviously will remember, be remembered for that sort of last moment there with Cindric and Blaney, um, and sort of the bad blood. I don't know how I was going to say temporary bad blood, but frustration. Um, yeah. I mean, there was certainly, uh, I don't think Blaney's forgotten that by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, they can coexist as teammates, but it almost cost them a playoff spot. Yes. I'm not yep. winning. Like, I mean, it very well, damn near can't cost him a playoff spot. I mean, so and well, he's and, come close. And Cindric, but that's Cindric wouldn't, wouldn't have made the playoffs without that. That's true. He wouldn't have the points to do it. No. So he had to win his way in and that was it. So when you look back at that too, I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting Daytona next year. I mean, if, if somebody's in that position, uh, you, I guess you just got to go for it. Cause you don't know how many different winners there's going to be with this car going forward. Maybe, maybe this was a one off year where there's so many different winners to get into the playoffs, but maybe not, maybe that's going to, how it's going to be from now on. So you just got to go for it. Um, Cindric, you know, he pretty much drove his teammate into the wall, but he's Again, a Daytona 500 winner. So yeah, like you, you have to do it. I mean, that, that is the biggest race. And if you have an opportunity to win it, you have to go for it. And I think that part of Blaney's frustration too, is he's come close in that race three, four times now off the top of my head where he probably should, he should have at least one win and he doesn't. And that eats at you a little bit. And plus, you know, it's the boss's kid, right? Like there's that dynamic, which can't be ignored. And, and so it's frustrating and it was good. I I just remember it was, it was one of those things like, Oh my goodness, Austin Cindric. Like I, I wasn't, if you're looking back, like, Oh, Austin Cindric won a race during his rookie year. Like, yeah, you know, I, I could see that. Right. Like we, there was a path there, like probably on a road course though. Road right? Course, right. Right. Yeah. Not the Daytona 500, and that's where he won his race this year. It's crazy, and he had a really good year, by the way. Like people don't realize that he had a really good rookie season. I mean, he actually was in—he was 15th in overall points scored this year. So, yeah, you know, it's not like he—the only reason he got rookie of the year is because he won that and made the playoffs. Um, I mean, he was significantly ahead of the other rookies, and he also had five top five finishes. Martin Truex Jr. only had four this year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, five isn't like setting the world on fire. I think it maybe ranks like 13th in the series or something, but, um, overall though, I mean, like he had a very respectable first very year. Very respectable. Yeah. So, so now, you know, he does need to pick it up essentially because you look at, you know, his teammate won the championship. Um, his other teammate was just as fast in that championship race. So, you know, they had good cars, so it's not like, Oh, you know, he's a rookie and, you know, he overperformed. I mean, I still think he probably could have got more out of his cars essentially, but, uh, for, for a first year though, uh, certainly very respectable. Um, it's just the, the pressure is going to mount a little bit differently on him going forward than it would for like a Todd Gilliland on front row. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, what was your number three race of 2022? My number three race was the Coca-Cola 600, which to me was an, 
let me let me start over. Coca-Cola 600 for two for many many years, and I have and I have said this. This race has not been good, right? It's been boring. It's too long. There's not a lot of passing. It's like why why are we racing 600 miles? This this race feels tedious, right? That race though this year was really really good. It was one of those you're like I don't know if I want this to end actually. Like it was and it felt old school. Like you had. Um, a lot of transitions from day to night. You had a lot of attrition. Guys were, you know, having parts failures. Guys were crashing out. It just felt like an old school race where, like, you needed to make sure you made it 600 miles before you thought about anything else. You had Kyle Larson's kind of, I don't want to say improbable, but just weird, strange day where he was so bad at the beginning, and then halfway through, he like, you know, basically flipped the switch. Cliff Daniels' pep talk, um, you know, inspired him, and he goes to the lead and almost wins the race. You had Austin Dillon going for it really hard at the end there, almost, I mean, damn near completing the the pass of all passes. And it was just a really, really great race. And it was one of those races you're like, that's what a NASCAR crown jewel race should be like. And it delivered. And for too long, we have criticized the 600, and I am among that. So to me, this is, you, if you're going to criticize, you got to praise. And this race came through. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, um, by the way, I don't think I mentioned that the Daytona 500 on the last one going back for a minute was number nine best race of the year voted by the fans. Um, anyway, yes. Yeah, so, uh, the Coke 600 is actually my number two. I had it a little bit higher than you. All right. I, <clears throat> I debated about that and I, and I'll tell you why I settled on this one. After so the next one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean the, the, the sheer, you know, there's a, there's a line, right. Where you don't want the race to get too crazy and circus-like and chaotic, but this one was like delightful chaos. I mean, it was just like, what is happening? Yeah, like and unpredictable, like, oh my God. They were, and they were going for it too. It wasn't just like, you know, uh, some weird circumstances happening that, that was changing up the race. These guys were going for it and they were really having to drive their cars. And it was still at a period where the teams were really trying to figure out how to get their cars driving on a mile and a half track. Um, and especially when you can compare it to the other Coke 600s in the past, like you talk about, oh. I mean, it was just like, you couldn't, you know, Charlotte losing the all-star race. Great. Yeah. We don't want to see it. Charlotte doing the Roval. Great. We don't want to see any more oval races. Now this, after you watch the Coke 600, you're like, <laughs> can we get more of this, please? Like, yeah. can we get rid of the Roval? Can we, you know, Hey, move the all-star race back there. I don't care. You know, yeah. uh, it, it was, it was just like, wow, this is the, the highest level of entertainment. You know, it was just, it was still crazy. Um, and it was, it was just enjoyable. We, we never got to talk about it on the podcast because we had a split podcast that day. I did the Indy 500 podcast, uh, with Nate and who'd you have Bob on yours? Bob on ours. Yeah. We did it yeah. like, I don't remember. Oh, it was like one o'clock or something. <laughs> yeah. Like we're literally, you know, like both falling asleep. We're like, Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that was, it was just a wild, wild race. And it just made you just sort of shake your head and, and smile and stuff. And so um, certainly memorable with all the crazy things that were happening in it. And yeah, that's why I had it number two. Uh, I really feel like now, you know, so now we're getting to our top two. And I was feeling like my number one was not going to be the same as yours. And I'm, I'm very certain that we have the the other one that's on my list. I, I feel very confident that. Um, it is going to be one of your top two. So I'm, I'm very curious to see if we have the same top two, if we have the same, you know, at least, you know, in a different order. Um, yeah, that's going to be really interesting. By the way, uh, just to, before we move on here, Charlotte, uh, Coke 600 was voted, uh, in the, was it a good race poll? Number five best race of the season, uh, with a 90.6%. 
And I think I was, yes. you made a really good point about how, you know, we used to deride Charlotte, right? Oh, get rid of the all-star race there, Roval, whatever. Now you go back to the Roval this year. What was the conversation we had, right? Like, oh man, like get rid of the Roval. Let's go back to the, to the oval. Like that, that tells you like how great the racing was. Like, this is exciting that you're able to have a race like that in a crown jewel. Um, that's pretty cool. That's special. That that tells you like just how far this has come. I mean, next gen car. I mean, it's it's seven. Yeah. Of, I think seven of the eight, the top eight races in the pole this season, were either on intermediate or two mile tracks. Seven yeah. of the top eight, which is like the absolute reverse from what we would normally expect. I mean, it's just yeah. sort of just. It's still hard to believe. I don't think any. You know, whatever the expectations were for the new car, I don't think completely transforming the face of intermediate track racing was on really on anybody's list. I mean, and, I think we would have said, Oh, you know, it'll be, you know, maybe more competitive or, you know, it'll make road courses better or something, but to make intermediates, not boring all of a sudden, like what? Okay. Yeah. That's sure. and you're, we're leading into what I'm going to, there's number two on my list. And so you're, you're kind of summarizing it. Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is number two on your list for the second best race of 2022? It's Fontana because there was like, we talked about the unknowns going into Daytona, but that's still a super speedway race at the end of the day. Right. There's you're kind of, it is what it is, but this car had been touted as a game changer on the intermediate tracks. It was going to make the racing better. You know, it was going to save the racing on these mile and a half, two mile race tracks. But like, you didn't know though, right? We didn't know. We didn't. We had seen a race on a flat track at the Coliseum. We saw the super speedway, but like, okay, let's really let's see how this goes at Fontana. And what happened at Fontana? Everybody was like, "Holy heck, yeah! This car may have just saved intermediate race tracks. Like, maybe we don't need to rip up Auto Club Speedway, and make it into a half mile race track. Maybe it's okay as a two mile race track." And it set the table for what was to come, which was like, as you just said, all of a sudden these. Mile and a half, two mile racetracks where you're looking at the schedule like, oh man, we're going there this week. Oh, oh, okay, I guess. Sure. Now you're like, oh, right. Yeah, this is going to be fun. That started at Fontana because it delivered everything with that car, how competitive it was, um, what you could do with it. And I will say this, it also showed that the, 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 the competitive gap between the haves and the have nots had shrunk. And that that this was actually parody was a thing or was going to be a thing at some level is you had Eric Jones running up there all day long, almost winning. You had Daniel Suarez almost winning that race. And you're like, Trackhouse and, and Petty GMS? Wait a second. These guys are out running all these big teams like, oh, this is a fluke thing. Well, it, it proved not. And so to me, just because of what this represented in the big picture and what kind of it, it foretold what was going to come, that to me is why it's number two. So... Yeah, that's my number one. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I I remember, you know, and obviously as we talked about on this podcast, I tend to get caught up, swept up in things a lot when it's really exciting or that. really bad. Um, that to me, I, <laughs> you know, I, I left that day going, man, did I, did I overdo this? Like, did I feel 
more positive than I should have about this. Cause I, I was just like, this is awesome. Like that was one of the best races I've seen. That was so fun and so unpredictable and so exciting. Um, the way the car worked with that track and the worn out surface. And don't forget, I mean, you mentioned Eric Jones leading, um, Suarez having a chance to win Tyler Reddick too. Um, until he yeah. had his tire problem, he was, he was in, and, and to that point he had never won a race. Yeah. And, and, and the cars were hard to control too, which is another element we haven't seen a lot of on these kind of racetracks. Yep, absolutely. And, and you really had guys, it, it felt like they were driving it again. Like they were really having to, it wasn't the slot cars kind of thing. Like they were really going for it and having to hang it out there and, and race. And of course at the end there, or, you know, one of the later, uh, restart moments, um, you had another Larson Elliott incident where, uh, Larson kind of walled Elliott. And, uh, then later Larson spotter took the blame for that. You remember like he got on mm -hmm. Twitter and said, it's yep. my fault and all this stuff. Um, and it kind of took the heat off Larson, I guess, who, you know, says afterwards, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know he was there. I didn't know he had a run, but, um, you know, Larson is, is aggressive as we've seen throughout the year, uh, and, and going for those kind of moves, but it was just a, it was just a great race. And it was just like, man, this is especially Fontana, right? Like it's been kind of hit or miss over the years. And, and there was some, there was a period there, maybe, I don't know, seven or eight years ago where Fontana started to get really good. And then mm -hmm. it kind of fell off for a while. Like it was just okay. Yeah. Um, but this car restored it and it's already kind of making me bummed for, um, you know, the, the final race on the two mile oval before they turn it into a short track. Uh, I'm, I'm really going to miss that track. I really, really am. I'm, uh, that's going to be a hard one to say goodbye to for that, that quiet track and that race at the end of that, um, next year, because that, I mean, that is, that is what you want out of NASCAR racing. I, I felt like that, that was a fantastic race. Uh, by the way, fans voted that one number three of the year. It was number one for all the way until uh, August, until Watkins Glen had jumped it. And then another one, which I'm sure will be your number one, uh, jumped it at the end. But uh, a 91.5% on that. Uh, I purposely didn't say my number three race because I imagine that's your number one race. So uh, give us the big reveal of your what? what? No, I want you to guess what my number one is. Darlington Southern 500. No. What? No. Oh my gosh, I'm shocked. Oh wow, no. this is this is really no, not at all. This I mean, is it was, that was a great race. It was fun. It Southern was 500 is not on your top five. It did not make it. It was probably number six. Whoa, wait, are it you sure? Great. Yeah, I'm sure. It was great. It was fun. I loved it. I mean, did it was you great just forget or something? No, it was fun. But I mean, I okay. thought it was good. You had right. Eric Jones wow. winning there, and you tire strategy. It was an old school race, tire management, strategy, attrition. It was all those things, right? But it didn't fit my top five. And, and I, for my, when I crafted my list, I just didn't look at the racing action because I will say the number one list in my race, the racing action probably wasn't amazing, right? And the number one race on my list is the Coliseum and the Clash. The okay. look on your face right now is priceless. <laughs> You're laughing at me. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you know, here's the thing. I, I wrote um, in my top five column that's coming out Monday morning. I did another top five to recap the season. And I focused on the clash probably for the same reasons that you're about to say, which is that I think that was, that was the moment of the season where, I mean, everybody was just so enthusiastic. Everybody was just like, wow, they pulled this off. I mean, they got the cars there. The cars didn't fall apart. The track didn't fall apart. 
it was actually a pretty decent race inside a stadium. Um, you know, they, they had the, the musical performances they had, you know, it was just this fantastic You're reading my notes at this point. That's all. Oh. That, that, that's it. Yeah. It was yeah. a spectacular day. It really was. Yeah. The race was okay. It yeah, was, it was, was a good race. It was fine. Yeah. It wasn't it was more. Yeah, it was, it, I, it was, it was, it exceeded my expectations for a race, but it was okay. You know, it yeah. was, it was I thought okay. we, I thought we really were going to have more fireworks. I mean, you had that late restart with Logano and Kyle Busch right next to each other in front of row, And I thought, okay, this is like, you know, no points on the line. Like, you know, both these guys are going to go for it. And you just didn't get that. Now, if you'd have gotten that, that would have been, that would have been, that would have been epic and would have taken this race even higher. But to your point, and I agree with everything you said, like, this was revolutionary because I remember when they announced this, you're like, what the heck? Like, really? Like, they're going to do this in the LA Coliseum? Like, how are you, how is this going to work? Like, right. it, there's no way. Well, it did work. And, and because it worked, it, it created all sorts of possibilities of what could come down the road. And to me, that's why you have to consider it. Number one is like far reaching implications of what this race could mean in the big picture of NASCAR. Like, again, I, I kind of repeat myself what I said about Chastain and Martinsville, but like, this is going to be one of those things you look back on. You're like, this, this is going to be one of those moments, right? And you look back and like that turned things and how, yeah, you can build a quarter mile racetrack inside a football, the right football stadium, and you can do it and do it well. And it was exciting and it was fresh and you had the music acts. It was different. It was just this newness and everybody was excited and pumped up and it felt like, Oh my goodness, NASCAR pulled this off. That's and a key. Yeah. And there was no, there was no stubbing the toes. There and was no sort of classic, what we think of as NASCAR moment of unintended consequences. Like yeah. again, the track breaking or something falling on the track or cars not being able to get to the garage or the track being, you know, just some, something going wrong, something happening exactly. that you didn't, so, some unintended consequence that, that would have spoiled the moment on a national TV scale uh, stage, you know, the week before the Super Bowl on Fox. Um, yeah. it, it, it was, they pulled it off, like you said. And, and yeah, go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. And, and here's the thing. And you're right in all of that. And I agree. And you asked me about the Southern 500. And while the Southern 500 was great, what were some of the talking points coming out of that race? The though? fire, Kevin Harvick. The five, Kevin Harvick's fire, the mechanical failure on Truex, uh, you know, like the parts breaking, right? Right. And, you know, a lot of the next-gen stuff. And it was like, even as great as that race was, it got overshadowed by the extracurricular stuff, right? Coming out of the Coliseum, though, there wasn't any of that. It was like, everybody was on cloud nine, like, holy heck, this was awesome. There was zero... How many times in NASCAR, no matter how great something is, you always get somebody like, oh, man, that, you know, you get a detractor, right? Right. There was nobody in their right mind who could point anything at what happened at the Coliseum and be negative about it. And that, to me, is why it was number one. Yeah, I, I still feel like that that day was the best day I've had covering racing this season, uh, probably in a long time. Like, you know, it, it almost changed the way I looked at NASCAR's ability to go forward in the future. Like, I thought... Agreed. Like, wow, you know what? The fact that they had this vision and Ben Kennedy, you you looked at Ben Kennedy completely different after that. You're like, wow, this guy, for yeah. him to have this vision and execute this. And, you know, obviously I have a team of track people and all that stuff, but you're like, okay, this guy, you know, you have some sort of faith that with him, you know, kind of in charge or, or going to be in charge someday, you're like, NASCAR is in better hands now. I feel like this is this is going to be good, like as opposed to like the Brian France era or, of something, you know. Um, 
and and yeah, just like like you normally. I mean, Steve Phelps said it in the state of the sport. Normally, when you go around to the garage or whatever, you know, this is a, it's a kind of a cynical industry, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was one time where everybody, I mean, drivers, everybody, you know, they're they taking pictures of it with their cell phone and all that stuff. And, uh, just, I remember that, you know, the cars coming out of the tunnel onto the track for practice that that's something, by the way, when they do this again, you know, they, they kind of botched the driver intros. I don't know if you remember that. Like, yeah, I remember that. Like Jeff Gordon was kind of headed in it, like kind of ring had to kind of be the ringleader of that because they, they you couldn't hear it in the stadium at all. Yep. Like apparently you could hear it on TV, like. And so everybody was kind of confused and you weren't getting the pop from the fans when the drivers were introduced, but what they should do this year or next year, when they, when they bring the cars, when they do the driver intros, have their cars drive out of the tunnel onto the track, you know, yeah. and Joey Logano and his car, you know, don't have the helmet on yet. Just yeah. have it come out and he's, you know, window net down, waving out, you know, do a lap around the track. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fans are cheering the cars and, you know, to seeing them emerge out of the tunnel like that would be pretty sweet. Um, as opposed to coming out of the peristyle, but still like I, I, yeah, that was a tremendously positive thing. I just talking about the race races of the year. Um, it just wasn't good enough to be included in my, in my top five racing wise. But, um, and, and, and what you said about the Southern 500 too, I mean, that's why it was my number three. Like it, the racing was great, but there was some stuff that overshadowed it. Um, that said the fans voted that that was their number one race of the year. Southern 500 got 93.5%, followed by Watkins Glen, Fontana. Michigan was number four. Michigan uh, was Harvick an excellent race. There. That was a good that race. Was a really good race. Another great intermediate track where just a lot of different dynamics at play. Bubba's near miss. And, and you know, Kevin, Kevin's, Kevin Harvick snapping his long winless streak and right. kind of, I want to say out of nowhere because they'd been running well, but not great. But then he kind of, you know, it was kind of out of nowhere. I mean, you, didn't, you were like, I was at least I was at the point where like ah, he's just not going to make the playoffs, you know. There was that question too, right? I mean, whether he's going to make the playoffs, and then he ends up winning, and then he backs up again the next week at Richmond, which is just wild, right? Uh, so then, uh, Coke Six Hundred was number five. Las Vegas Spring was number six. The uh, Bowman backing his way into another one, as Kyle yep. Busch would say. That's true. Uh, he did get lucky there. The next two, uh, number seven and number eight as voted in the was a good race poll were Kansas one and Kansas two. So Kansas becomes the only track with two races in the top 10 this season, uh, for the best races, Kansas of all places. Um, pretty impressive there. Uh, number one, obviously, or the, the first Kansas race was the Kurt Busch win. The second one was the Bubba win. Daytona 500 was number nine and the Talladega spring race where Ross Chastain just kind of, held it steady as everybody else went crazy <laughs> around him on the last lap, last uh, turn there. Um, that was number 10. So the clash two, two of your races did not make the top 10. Uh, just to recap, mine was number one, Fontana, number two, Coke 600, number three, Southern 500, number four, Daytona 500, number five, Watkins Glen. Can you run through your top five again? Absolutely. Number one on my list was the Coliseum. Number two was Fontana. Number three was the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte in May. Number four was the Daytona 500 with Austin Cindric winning. And number five was fall playoff Martinsville. All right. Very interesting. So, uh, yeah, tweet us and let us know if you guys agree with your, you know, number one or even give us your number five if you want. We'll be curious to see your list and how they stack up. Um, before we close the book on this, though... <laughs> We decided to pick our worst 
race of the season. Well, I can't wait for this. We are so um, going to agree on this, by the way. Well, I actually, no, I take that back. I take that I back. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm honestly no. not sure. No, I think now, that I'm wrong. You, okay. Well, uh, let, why don't you go first and give me your worst race of 2022? I'm cheating a little bit here. I'm going for a twofer. I'm just going to say Texas Motor Speedway. Like, that is cheating, though. You have to pick which one, the all-star uh, race or the playoff race. Between ugly and bad is how you decide. I mean, those it. are the two, you know, spoiler it's, alert, These are the those are the two bottom races in the Was yeah. It a Good Race poll, of course. It's horrible. Um, so wh- which one was truly the worst race, though? The all-star <sighs> race with the Ryan... It was a terrible race, and then the Ryan Blaney window net situation at the end. Uh, he ends up winning it. And then the, the playoff race, obviously, was full of tire mess. problems and total... Yeah, it was just... a. I, I think because it was a points race, because it had playoff implications, you have to go the fall. And then you factor in the tire issues. Alex Bowman got hurt there. And here, here's why I just despise Texas Motor Speedway. Is we, we've sit here and talked about how great this car is on intermediate racetracks. Charlotte was amazing. Fontana, Kansas, Las Vegas, right? All of these tracks were awesome. Great. Best racing there we've seen in years and years. Next-gen car revolutionized intermediate track racing. Except for one place and one place only, Texas Motor Speedway, because nothing, you can't put on a good show there because that track sucks. It should be blown up. And the playoff race was easily one of the worst playoff races I've seen in a long time. That was bad on a multitude of levels. It was embarrassing. So, and when you have people within the industry who are like openly mocking it, you know, with, and they're like, this, we can't do this. And and, and again, this, this happened at the all-star race too, like the same sentiment. Right. But I, I'm, if I have to pick one, it's going to be the playoff race because it's supposed to be the playoffs. This is supposed to be a showcase. That was not a showcase. That was the complete opposite of a showcase. So that to me, it was, it was bad. It's a joke. And that track that it only has one date next year. Thank God, because it's, it, you could make a, a reasonable case that that track shouldn't have any dates at all. Yeah. I mean, there was sort of this hope that like both for all-star race and then even renewed hope for the playoff race. Like, Oh, you know, maybe it won't be that bad. And then somehow it was even worse. It was worse because our expectations were better. Like, Oh no, this next gen car is awesome. No, it was, it was worse. I mean, it was, um, I I just, first of all, the, the all-star race was voted slightly lower than the playoff race. To me, I agree with you. The playoff race was worse. Every time you had a leader, they were blowing a tire and wrecking out of the race or spinning out of the race. Um, you know, all, all the incidents that were happened, it, it was just, it was, it was not good racing. Plus the tire issues. It was just like, that's not what you, how you want to decide a key playoff race. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just not good. I remember that was the day where I had completely lost my voice and I was still so fired up about it that I, you know, had that terrible, ugly podcast where I'm sure nobody, half the people couldn't even understand what I was saying, but it was terrible. It was really, really bad. It was, it was embarrassing, like you said. And, you know, I, I, I feel bad for the people who, you know, work at Texas Motor Speedway because it's not their fault, like that no. the race isn't good, but they have to take the brunt of how bad their track is and how everybody just dislikes it. And, uh, it just continues to be just, just feels like bad every time. And, yeah, it's down to one race next year, and you're still like, ugh, that's... One too many races. I, I, I'm i dreading going there kind of thing, you know? Like, what, what's going to happen now? So, just not good. Um, and again, I, obviously, the, the fans 
Agreed. I mean, I think every, how, how could you make an argument that that was any sort of a good entertaining race? And by the way, like, you know, I think like the 11% or whatever that voted, I can't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, um, they're probably you know, Tyler Reddick fans. Like, yeah, it's just, it is baffling to me. Oh, okay. So it was, uh, 11% for the Texas all-star race, 13.4% for the playoff race. Um, in terms of all the races ever in the, was it a good race poll, which is, um, 261 races. Those are the two bottom races ever yeah. in the poll. Number 260 and number 261. Um, so not good. No, not it, good. Here's, here's the thing with Texas much people. It's gotten to a point. I don't even know how you can reverse it and save it. You know, cause yeah, you just have to, you have to tear it up. You have to, you have to, cause everybody's opinion on it is so bad and whether they're not going to watch it on TV, they don't want to go there. Like they have no chance. And obviously the track and the concurrent configuration doesn't work. The only hope you have is to, to, to basically demolish it and start anew and hope that you can figure it out. But there's little confidence that they're going to get this right because how many different configurations of Texas Motor Speedway have they been? And it's kind of been like, it's always feels like it's something there. And I, I don't know how you can reverse this. Like they need like this complete image makeover that just doesn't feel like you can, like they are permanently scarred. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said, you know, what's funny is that despite this year in the, was it a good race poll, having a record number, uh, in the 90% club, which was seven of the races in the 90% club and a record number uh, over 80%, which was 18 of the races over 80%. It also had four of the bottom six races ever in the poll. Um, that was joined by Martinsville one, which got, uh, 18.7% and the Roval 19.2% with the sign falling on the track. I thought uh, that would be your pick by the way for the worst. Oh, you thought that was going to yeah. be mine. Yeah, no, I can't beat Texas. I mean, it's still better than Texas. Um, I don't know. I mean, Roval, Roval put you, Texas didn't put you in a funk. Roval put you in a funk, man. <laughs> like <laughs> Texas made me mad. Roval, I was mad, just like depressed. Roval put you in a mood that I have never seen before. Like that was that, when a race can do that, that should tell you. I was like, I, I'm quitting. I, I don't even want to. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is, uh, this is my oh. last, I, I'm done with this. Yeah. But uh, thankfully that was just a one week thing. So uh, well, yeah, if you say so. Yeah. Well, until the next something yeah, that everything happens. Yeah. No Bristol dirt. <laughs> all these people, all these people talk about how in NASCAR in general, like the drivers are like, Oh, it's a long year. You got to ride the highs and lows. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Yeah. No, you just, that no, is you, not you, something I've picked up over the years for whatever like reason. Your life philosophy. <laughs> I'm riding that wave to the crest. And when it comes crashing down, I'm riding it down there too, man. It's either the, this is the best thing ever is the best race I've seen. Greatest oh, moment. You know, or like, oh, this is just NASCAR is ruined. Up and down. Yeah. <laughs> There's no in between with you. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, uh, well, um, by the way, before we, um, before some of you tune out for the um, F1 portion of this podcast, our season finale teardown next week is going to be um, a listener mailbag. We did this last year as well. And would ask you to email me. I'm just going to give out my email address. Uh, so if you're listening, I, I don't want to put it on Twitter because I only want listeners of the podcast to chime in with questions so that you guys are the ones who are hearing your 
questions asked, uh, you know, not last year, we didn't get close to getting all the answers, the, the questions, but you know, we'll pick, I don't know, the 10 or whatever best questions that we feel like answering. And we'll do that for next week's podcast. So my email address is J Gluck, J G L U C K at the Please uh, send me an email, send me your questions, and I will go through them with Jordan and uh, we'll pick the best ones to answer next week on our last episode of the year. And we were also thinking about um, doing a, a 12 questions, uh, doing the 12 questions, <laughs> except turning it on ourselves uh, because that's what people had requested. So we'll see if we have enough time for that or if you guys want that as well, how we would answer the 12 questions uh, that I asked all the drivers this season. All right. Well, it's time for some F1 talk after we just watched the Brazil race and are doing this podcast. Who won, Jeff? Uh, yes. Obviously, uh, George Russell gets his first ever win. Um, first win you know, for Mercedes this year too, right? First win for Mercedes. Yeah, after, it wasn't Hamilton, huh? No, not Lewis Hamilton. Nope. Uh, yes. And, and really, I mean, honestly, you just, you just got to really give it to, to George was- Russell. Um, I mean, he, he won the sprint race. Um, just, I mean, great great weekend really coming into his own and uh you know uh i I just think russell obviously you know he said on his radio afterwards look i mean this is just the beginning right and and you absolutely believe that guy's 24 years old lewis isn't going to be around forever um he's obviously going to take the helm of of mercedes eventually and he will win championships he will um you know win many many races he's going to be up there as the British national anthem. Now God save the King instead of God save the queen, uh, plays and, uh, just great job. I mean, he had, he had to work for it too, because it wasn't just that he had the track position from Lewis getting into his incident with, uh, max on the opening, uh, lap of the race there or the opening couple laps, whatever it was. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, he, he had the late restart for the safety car and it was like, okay, well, now he's going to have to work for it. He's going to have to hold off Lewis, who is hungry on those old tires. And, um, you know, Lewis, who hadn't won this year and has never gone a season without winning, now it has to go to Abu Dhabi, the scene of uh, such sadness for him last year and controversy. He's going to have to win it there. But, uh, doesn't you know, it seems pretty unlikely that he's going to be able to do that in the last shot. But, uh, yeah, he, he worked for it. And, and Lewis never got within DRS range. Just uh, George, with all the pressure on, never put a wheel wrong, and uh, he won the race. There you have it. He was flawless. It was it was it really impressive, and that last restart was to me stood out more than anything because <clears throat> it would have been so easy in that situation to stumble, right? And you know Lewis is going to be on the chip because he wants to win. This is his best opportunities he's had all year, and. George just got a perfect restart. Like he got a perfect start of the race. At the beginning of the race, I was kind of curious to see how he handled that and, you know, how aggressive Lewis was going to be. And it didn't even matter because George was perfect at the start, quickly pulled away, asserted himself. Same thing on that restart. Never even really opened up any door where Lewis could do anything, right? And grabbed the lead, pulled away. And it was, to echo your comments, like this feels like his coming out party. You know, like this is going to be, we're entering, you know, we talked about Max Verstappen. Is anybody going to beat him for the championship? You know, et cetera, et cetera. If Mercedes gives George a car, 
that is capable that is comparable to the Red Bull, like George to me has the talent to go and, and do things and win races and be a champion. And there was a lot of hype this year um, accompanying his arrival into Mercedes and what he was going to be able to do. And through no fault of his own, because the cars haven't been to where they need to be at, he hasn't really had an opportunity to do this. But I've harped on this all year, and I'll say his results are really, really good. And I, you know, and we make joke about this or anything like that. But he has beat Lewis Hamilton this year. Like he, you know, average finish, average starting position, laps led. Now he's got to win. Like, like that. They're in equal cars at the end of the day, and he's outperforming Lewis Hamilton. Like that is impressive. And he hasn't made a thing of complaining about the car and pointing fingers. Like he's getting through this and he's maximizing what that car can do just about every single race. That is a young driver who's got a really good head on his shoulders and is going to do very, very big things if his team can just back him up on this. And today showed why people are so high on him and why he has such a unlimited future. Yep. No, I mean, you can't, Question that. And I do think Lewis has come on strong. Hundred percent. Really, really, Lewis has really been struggling. great. Lewis has been phenomenal. I mean, he's been really, really good really since the summer break. I think it's fair to say. I mean, he could not get a handle on that car at all when they had the porpoising, the really bad no. porpoising issues. Uh, once they decided to just completely go in a more conservative direction with their car and just sort of, you know, start rebuilding from there. Um, and it, it, it's gotten them driving better, uh, at least driving reasonable enough where, you know, they're, they're in contention now they're, you know, they're getting podiums. And and most of the time, like you said, it was sort of maximizing, you know, just the days they could have. Uh, but you know, now they actually have some speed for Max to say yesterday, well, those, those Mercedes look like they're not going to be able to be beaten today. You know, wow. That was kind of like, is he just bluffing? Or does he really mean that now? Had he not got into, I, I don't know what would happen there. If, if, you know, he let's, let's talk about the, First, before we talk about the Max and Checo bad teammate situation, let's talk about Max and Lewis. Um, how did you see that incident? Because Max got a five-second penalty for it. I thought it was just sort of like two guys who absolutely do not like racing each other, do not really like each other, uh, not giving each other a single inch of space. And like they did last year saying, I'm, I'm going in here, and if you're not going to lift, you're going to wreck and ruin your race. Max got the worst of it. Um but obviously the stewards felt that Max was at fault there. How did, how did you see that? I thought the same thing. I, I thought these are two guys were, this was a, this was the quintessential racing incident, right? This was two guys who just were going to go hard and they made contact because they're racing hard. And to me, this is a perfect example of why I don't like it when officials try to be judge and jury when it comes to racing contact and why when we talk about NASCAR and you know contact, that kind of thing, I get really kind of my guard up. Because I see moments like this where Max is handed a five-second penalty that he didn't deserve. I mean, you could argue that he could have been smarter in there, and like you, you know, what are you doing here? Like, you know, big picture, you know, you're not, you, you can lose the race here, you can't win the race, but that's not a five-second penalty infraction. And I hate when officials interject themselves into this, and that's what happened here. That shouldn't be the case because what it does then is it sometimes dials drivers back from racing hard when you don't want that to be the case. You want them to be want them to go for it, not sit there in the back of the head. Oh man, you know, I might get a five second penalty. Like, no, go for it, race hard. It was great to see. It, it, it reminded me last year, like when that championship or the, the championship fight they had where it was like tooth and nail. And these guys, there's a fair to say there's a, there's a respect level between them. Like, I don't think they hate each other, but they, they certainly don't, they're not best friends and they definitely want to beat each other. And that was cool to see because you sometimes lose that a little bit. And it's too bad. We didn't get, 
more of a follow through from last year. And it kind of made me disappointed a little bit because after all of that last year, that great title fight, we came into this year like, okay, what's it going to be for the encore, right? Well, the encore was disappointing. You know, sequels very rarely live up to the originals. And that was very much true this year. The sequel sucked. And Max ran away at the championship. And it's unfortunate, but we did get a glimmer today of like, man, that would be cool to see. If we could see that one more time for a course of a year, how great that would be. Yeah, and I think you you might have that next year. I mean, to me, just projecting a little bit, you know, given Max's comments yesterday, he knew that the the Mercedes were going to be fast. Um, I really think he would love to make sure that Lewis doesn't win a race this year because he doesn't like Lewis. Uh, you know, I think he was going to go in there and be like, all right, well, I'm going to put him in a position almost like um, – you know, Denny was with Ross Chastain at Pocono. Like I'm going to put put him in a position where he either has to choose to, you know, let me go by or, or wreck. In this case, it wasn't a wall. It was another car. Um, and Max didn't care because Max is, you know, out of it or, you know, sorry, not out of it. His his championship means nothing. It's, It's already sewed up. He can't do anything more. He can win, but you know, there's, he's not racing anybody for anything. Um, the constructors is sewn up. Uh, the driver's championships long ago sewn up. So what does he care if he's not going to win? Like if he thought, well, maybe George is going to win or maybe he thought this is my only chance if I get past him right here. But either way, he's like, I'm going to put Lewis in this position. Lewis is like, I'm tired of this guy, you know, racing like this and I'm not going to let him run me over. And so I'm going to hold my ground essentially. And so they collided. And again, Max got the worst of it. Lewis able to continue on finish second. Um, maybe that did cost him a win though, because he had to come all the way from the back. Um, and yeah. you know, had, catch up at that point, right. Had he, had he been second the whole time to George, you know, maybe he had a faster car. I don't know. I mean, at the end, you know, they were pretty equal and, and he couldn't pass him, but you never know. You never know what could have happened. but, um, either way, I mean, yeah, it was, it was quite the spicy incident, but that's not what people are going to be talking about from this race because, <laughs> This was honestly, and some people on Twitter are like, oh, are you really surprised about this? Yeah, I am surprised about this. So if you if you haven't been following F1, so the, the driver's championship has been sewn up, but P2 in the points is not at all sewn up. And it's coming down to Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc from Ferrari. Now, Checo has been ahead and, and really in control of the points. Um, and Leclerc, you know, got put in the wall uh early by Lando Norris in this race and rallied back. Well, uh Checo essentially was uh behind Max um you know with in in the later laps and the team told Checo they said, "Hey, look, you know, and Max, we're going to let um we're going to let Max through here so we see if he can try to get up and take some points off the guys in front of you, which was Alonzo and Leclerc. If he can't do that, you know, we'll, we'll have you go back through Max will let you back through. Um, and you know, you can get that position back because at, at the time they made this decision, uh, Checo was ahead of Max, even though Max was a faster car. So the laps wind down and, uh, I went back and listened to Checo's radio. If you have F1 TV, you can go back and rewind there cameras and their radio chatter and all that stuff. It's a great feature. So this is what happened. So last lap, Checo's told, if Max does not pass Fernando, he'll let you through at turn 12. It didn't, you know, it didn't happen. So then they say, okay, so Max will let you through. Checo gets the finish line 
and he comes on, he says, yeah, thanks. Thank you for that guys. Thank you. Horner comes on the radio and says, I'm sorry about that Checo. And then there's some other sort of like, you know, chatter, like, okay, we'll, we'll debrief afterwards. You know, I think they were hoping he wouldn't say anything. And then Checo says, it shows who he really is. So then on Max's radio, they say, um, Max, let Checo through, please. No response, right? And he doesn't do it. So the race finishes. They say calmly, Max, what happened? Max says, I already told you last time, you guys don't ask that again to me, okay? Are we clear about that? I gave my reasons and I stand by it. Woo! This is what it's like to work with Jeff Gluck, by the way, if you want to know. Oh. <laughs> wow. You mean I'm the Checo and you're the Max. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what I meant. That's yeah. exactly what I meant. Yeah. That's yeah, I'm always exactly. getting run over and yeah, nobody's yeah. ever helping me out. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, okay, Max. Anyway, what do you make of that? What do you make oh, of that? I mean, good what Lord. a horrible look. Like he looks horrible. Like he he didn't he nothing to, to race for. Nothing, by the way, nothing. He's got the championship sewed up. Like right, you got nothing. You've got a guy, a teammate who has been the perfect wingman for you for since he's joined Red Bull, and who he by the, the way he helped him win the championship last he year. He held up Lewis. Yes, helped you win the championship. He gave you a win by the way earlier this year when it was still very much a championship fight. We didn't know how it was going to turn out, and he gave you that win. And he, you know, he was frustrated by it, but he did it. He has been a good teammate. And in these scenarios, you have seen it over the years, like Nigel Mansell, Ayrton Senna. They, they, their teammates, you know, cowed. They, they were, they were the number one driver, and their teammates did everything to to make them better and gave them wins many times. Schumacher too. And when they had an opportunity, those guys to pay it back to their teammate, they did, and they let those guys usually have a win they probably didn't deserve. But that's being a good teammate. And Max looks horrible. There is no defense. And then the comments of like, I already told you, you know, this is how it's going to be. Like, yeah, don't ask me that again. Don't ask, like, who's running this team? Like, that's a horrible look. You, you just made your, you just made Horner look, you know, minuscule. And like, you, 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 you come across as this arrogant jerk. By the way, and it's kind of we're starting to see a little bit of cracks of this. Like, he's got, you know, he, he was, he wasn't talking to Sky Sports this, you know, last couple of weeks because of he didn't like the questioning and that kind of thing. And, we, we no, it's because Ted Kravitz said he got yeah. robbed. Yeah, or, or that Lewis got yeah. robbed of the championship, so they all Red Bull yeah. wouldn't talk to Sky Sports. Give me a break. And, and exactly, and then you, and then the whole um, drive to survive thing, and how he refuses to participate in that because he feels like it's you know. And again, fine, but you start adding all of these up, it starts to give you a certain glimpse of who Max is. It's a horrible look. You had nothing. To gain today, like nothing, it, you, you, everything, you're the championship. It's yours. Just give it to your teammate. Let him step in the spotlight. What are you doing? I mean, the one time that you can just be a good teammate, because normally Max is winning, right? Yeah. So he's and not everything usually is focused in fifth around or six. Everything right. is focused around him. So the one time he's not going to win, because normally, like, unless it's been, you know, one of those mechanical failures he had earlier in the year, if he's finishing a race, he's winning pretty much, right? So he's won a record amount of F1 races this year. His teammate, like you said, has been nothing but a good wingman. Last year, he said Checo is a legend because Checo held up Lewis um, at Abu Dhabi and all the stuff uh, in, in a key moment. And, you know, again, like he, th- whether he finishes fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever, he, if he's not going to get on the podium, 
He's not going to win this race. It doesn't matter one spot. It literally doesn't matter. The team asked you to do this. It wasn't even like, ah, you know what? I just didn't think of it. Um, and so you not only say, you not only don't do it, but then say to say, don't ask me that again. Like, wow, that is just that. And, and I mean, if you're Checo, um, you just signed an extension. Uh, I, I wonder if you're almost regretting that now because that just really, I mean, like he said, uh, it, it shows you who he really is. All, all he's done has been a good teammate. And I know there's some talk about something that happened at Monaco, which, you know, it, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter, matter because what, what, you know, just be a good teammate for once Do, you know, return the favor in, a, in the smallest of ways. Not like you're giving up a win, not like you're giving up podium, you're giving up fourth or fifth or whatever it was. I mean, I, I just, uh, man, um, it's a no win scenario for Max. Just like, just what are you doing? Just stop. But I don't like, think he cares. He can, no, he's he doesn't like, care. look, I'm the man. Yeah. Um, you're, you you know, need, this team is champions because of me. I'm, I'm the best. I'm the greatest driver. And I got a contract. I ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Like, I mean, what are you going to do? Fire well, me? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to get yeah. mad at me? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that is the kind of thing though that can, it might not happen right away. But like you said, that can sort of lead to cracks and that is going to hurt going forward because that will absolutely be remembered by Checo uh, because in the future when the team asks Checo to do something, yeah, maybe he's going to be like, nope, sorry. Um, now, uh, you know, maybe Max thinks, you know what, I, I'm just the greatest and I'm not going to need him anyway. I, I'll just... I'll just do it on my own. I, I'll just have always faster cars. But I'll he does win. though. Like you want a champion, but it's not true. Like to have that attitude is 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 delusional. Because again, you go back a year, he won his first title because he had a great teammate, and you know, he had a great teammate earlier this year who helped. He's in the championship fight. Said, "Okay, I'm going to try to. I, I want to win, but I'm going to let my teammate go because he. I'm being a good guy here. And like you can only do this so many times before your other your teammate looks at you and says, "Never again." Never again. Don't care what the consequences are. I'm not doing this. Yep. Yep. I, I totally agree. And, and, uh, by the way, while we've been on this podcast doing this, uh, check Twitter before we started talking about this, I saw a quote in Spanish from Sergio Perez at the TV bullpen. You know, when they all, all the drivers, all the F1 drivers, no matter where they finish, they have to go do their media rounds, even if they're not in the top three or whatever after the race. So, Checo, of course, is getting asked about this, and his quote is in Spanish. I ran through Google Translate, and his quote is, I think if he has two championships, it's thanks to me. I mean, not wrong. That's, yeah, hard to argue with. I mean, this year, he was going to win anyway. I mean, he, yeah. helped, he helped him a little bit, but he was going to win anyway. But, but he last did, year, I, again, I go back to it, it, it. At the time, he helped him big time. Like, you didn't know. We didn't right, know. Like, right, Ferrari right. was. And so, he, he has a good point. Like, Again, like be a teammate. Like you, what if you're Max? Like it doesn't matter whether you finish third, fifth, tenth, wherever. Like it, it doesn't matter. Well, and again, I, I like Ferrari. You know, Leclerc was on the radio saying, "Hey, can can you guys get signs to think about the championship here?" And and he was fourth, and uh, signs was third, and he wanted that spot. And and but the, you know, Martin Brundle on on Sky correctly was saying you you can't give up a podium, not not no. a podium for, for uh, a point for a teammate. Um, but this wasn't that, like you said, I mean, it, I, I believe it was Max in fifth and Checo in six. So again, who cares if it's fifth or six, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting to see the fallout of this because 
I think people had started to be like, Hey, you know what? Max isn't so, so bad after all, you know, like the Lewis stuff last mm-hmm. year, you know, you had a lot of people who were like, ah, I'm kind of down on max, but this year you're like, ah, all right. You know, he wins a lot, but you know, personality wise, people are like, okay, he's okay. Uh, I think it's going to change a lot of opinions. So you I don't know open, why you would want to do that to yourself. I, I agree hundred percent. You now open yourself up to a line of questioning about, do you think you're bigger than the team? How do you go back to your team and talk to them like that? I mean, basically, you just talked to your bosses and told them that you're not have to listen to them. Like, they, these are all legitimate questions. How do you look at your teammate and say, "Hey, I'm here to help you," when you just turned your back on them at a time that meant nothing to you? That, mm. that is, this is he doesn't like the 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 scrutiny that he's getting or he's gotten. Yeah. Guess what? It's gonna. It's only gonna intensify now. Oh, he's not gonna like the it, Abu Dhabi. He's not gonna be in a, a good mood. You know, he, he's, he's going to get the questions. It's not going to be fun for him. I don't think he's, he's going to be pissy only, and short. And... Yeah. And, and the only downside, the only plus for him is there's only one race left. And, you know, maybe this kind yeah. of subsides a little bit over the off season, but again, just big picture wise, it just it's like, just um, dumb. you know, I, I just don't, why would you even want to have this? Why would you want to cause this problem for yourself and, and have this, you know, what's been an amazing record setting season why even it's just over one spot that means nothing so stupid it's just pointless yeah um and now you've made a team i mean it's it's, it's a lot of the same conversation we had at martinsville after the gibbs brandon jones thing like you've you've now made a teammate your enemy essentially why for what you you hurt your team you didn't need the win and you cost your team a shot at an increase in the shot at the championship yeah it's a good point like I mean, you if Leclerc, to... if Leclerc at Abu Dhabi next week barely wins, you know, over Checo, gets second over Checo uh, by a small margin, and this was that could have been the margin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be a happy off season there at Red Bull. But anyway, fun with that. All right. Well, we've come to the end of this podcast. Uh, it was good to talk to you guys again. I've been just kind of itching to talk some racing again, even after a week. It's just like, man, just uh sort of just sort of weird how the whole season ended. Obviously we're obviously still thinking about the, uh, the Gibbs family and what they've been going through. That really bothered mm. me, you know, all week. Um, just Same. hard to shake that. I thought uh, about that a lot this morning. I really this weekend of like the, just the ebbs and flows. What we talked about last week is just like things change in a hurry. You don't know. And sometimes you, uh, you don't appreciate what you have maybe until it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. It's tough. Um, so sending continued good thoughts to, to them. And, uh, hopefully that's, uh, they'll be able to find some peace, uh, as the days and weeks go on. But, um, anyway, we will be back with you again. We're, we're planning one last one before we, uh, go our separate ways on various vacations. Uh, we're going to be sort of having vacations at different times during the off season so we won't be able to uh, put a podcast together for you around the holidays, uh, most likely. So uh, we will give our farewells uh, for this year next week. But do send in those questions, please. Gluck at theathletic.com. And I will put them in a document and I'll go through them with Jordan. And we will try to answer all those. And we will talk about Abu Dhabi and the season finale uh, of F1 next week as well. So... Everybody, thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you next time on The Tape.